No, it's it's pretty good because uh, it's oh, okay. the the world championships. So it's kind of like uh, uh, I've heard it's equated to like March Madness for um, okay. basketball. So and I like assume a, they've had like preliminary rounds and stuff to kind of weed out some of the yeah. lower tier entrants. So um, right now we're in the group stages. So it's four groups oh, of four. Yeah, we're like in the World Sweet Cup 16. soccer. Hell yeah! Yeah. And uh, today's the last day, and then I think next week we'll start the quarterfinals, and then we go from there. How is oh. my favorite esports organization, Cloud9, doing? Uh, bro, they Copium fucking trash. Nine. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, bro. Bro, whoa, whoa. If you're going to... Okay, NA is trash, but of the trash NA teams, like they're the one that put in the... They, they put on the lipstick. <laughs> um, they polish their turds. Um, speaking of memes, hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Uh, it is us, the Anna Buddies. We are here to bring you a podcast. Um, this week we are reviewing the second season of Made in Abyss. Uh, I, Maddie Spice, am joined by the other two sages of Ganja, my man's Alex and my man's Tristan. Uh, hello. Say hello to the people, Alex. Hello. Prefer Bud. Hello. Hello. Um, hello. 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 <laughs> How about that to break the cycle? Some uh, some ambiance, Cy- some background noise. Cycle of violence, or is it just the background <laughs> noise of digestion? Um. I mean, I was gonna say it was a can opening, but. Maybe it sounded like digestion. I mean, when you're in the belly of the depths, you can never tell. Really, honestly, uh, (laughs) the pit will chew you up and spit you right out. But not the same. Never the same. Never the same. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, this, uh, this time around, it got real weird. So, uh... Let's take a minute to ground ourselves and uh, talk about the real world. Um, I, Maddie Spice, can be reached on the old Twitter if you need me, but uh, I don't really have much of a life, so I'm going to give you the uh, the highlights. Um, in the recent adventures of the Ass Man, I had... I had my eyes opened. Um, My Hero Academia Season 6 somehow has completely renewed my faith in the series. Um, And Chainsaw Man Episode 1. I thought it was going to be a lot grosser. Because, uh, you know, the sign-in tags and everything. But, uh... I. I super vibed with it. 
So that probably yeah, says yeah. something about me on like a psychological level. It means you like Puchita. <laughs> you know what? That's that's a big part of it. You're not wrong. Um yeah. what have uh what have my fellas been up to though? Uh I'll let uh King of the Castle go first, my man Tristan. Oh, you As know he's known outside of the Twitter sphere. Oh, you know. Uh, keeping it low key, doing what I do. Uh, there's been the 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 League of Legends uh worlds going on, so I've been actively watching that and keeping up with that. Uh, Chainsaw Man episode one, like you said, very yeah. very very good. Uh, watched the first two episodes of Spy Family. Uh, looking forward to getting to talk about uh that series again with y'all. Oh, dude, we got the dog. <laughs> Oh, shit, I haven't watched any of it. That wasn't a meme. Wasn't we left a meme. off. We left off on like the cliffhanger of the dog being revealed. So you knew it was coming, but it's about goddamn time. Uh, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll watch it sometime this week, so we can do the, the episode. Please I'm do, sorry. so I can dump so many of the spoilers I've been holding back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no then, pressure. No pressure, buddy. The only other thing I've really been up to is I started reading Fire Punch, the manga. Uh, it's written by the same guy that did Chainsaw Man. And I get some berserk vibes from it. And uh, I'm digging it. It's pretty It's pretty brutal. Nice. Mm. Nice. Fire Punch sounds really, really fucking cool. Just as like a title. Just imagine, (laughs) just imagine uh, someone that has ultra high speed regenerative abilities being lit on fire by a fire that can never be extinguished until the thing it is burning uh, gives up all its fuel. And so we just have this man in eternal suffering and uh, it's it's uh, it's pretty good. That sounds pretty sweet. Like, uh, somewhere between, I, you know what? I'm actually going to pull this one directly out of my ass. Uh, in My Hero Academia, the entire Endeavor versus Shigaraki fight when he's just constantly regenerating while being burnt alive. Yeah. 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 That, yeah, definitely like that. Okay, that sounds pretty lit. Cause I've I've read his like one shots, and I respect them, but I'm not like in love with them. Look back was was cute, but I'm not like crying over it. And then goodbye, Airy. I like the art. Hmm. That's uh, that's fair. Oh, the cover of this is pretty sweet. Yeah. I've I've heard Fire Punch Man is actually... Or Fire Punch. Fire Punch Man. (laughs) One Punch Man combined with Fire Punch. Uh, Yeah, I've heard Fire Punch Man is actually fire. Unironic. Unironically uh, fire, yeah. It's pretty good. I'm going to say I'm like 30 or 40 chapters in. So like almost halfway. And is it a completed series? I do believe so, yes. Hmm. That could be 
something interesting. I've been looking for a manga that's not, like, week to week, because I have, like, three or four that I'm juggling. Mm. So, it'd be nice to have something that I can just use to, like, fill the gaps in the week on, like, the days that I don't have a new release. May I uh, interest you in horse racing? Like, betting on horses as they run in a large circle? Like a cross-continent horse race. Oh, like a manga called Horse Racing. It's called Steel Ball Run, but one of the jockeys is paralyzed. Huh. I I read real, and that was pretty surreal, I guess is a term to use for that. Uh, which was to rehash from like close to a year ago, uh, the basketball manga about the guy in a wheelchair. Yes. Uh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good. It's got some heavy vibes, uh, which I kind of knew getting into it. I mean, it's talking about a handicap individual, um, but I don't know if that's what I'm looking for. Does it have that, or is it more of a, like, he just happens to be paralyzed? And he just, he's learning to walk again. He does end up oh, walking no. again. I don't uh, want to be sad. It's, it's, it's JoJo's. <laughs> <laughs> Why am I uh, not surprised? Yeah, all right, I guess I'm sold. I'll try it. <laughs> I can't. It's good. It's ver- it's I can't really just good. say no when he pulls the JoJo's card because I was actively just reflexively saying no whenever he said JoJo's before, and now look at me. Yeah, right. I still need to catch up on the JoJo's bandwagon. Yeah, Stone Ocean's good. Stone Ocean is very good, and this is oh. my second favorite part behind Stone Ocean. It's so good. It won't. It won't make you cry. I promise. Um, what about you, Alex? What have you been cooking up lately, Mr. Uh, Cream Puff Coon? Ah, uh, well, I uh, am, have been watching a lot of Bleach and working. Uh, New Bleach or Old Bleach? Uh, Old Bleach, because I never watched it, because I just couldn't get into the uh, substitute Soul Reaper. But then I was mm-hmm. like, you know, I can just put on Bleach. While I make dinner in between shifts and crap like that, and I've uh, I've made it through the Soul Society arc, and I am now uh, they're about to fight Grim Jaw or Grim Jow oh, for the nice. first time. So I feel like I'm making progress. Hmm. Uh, and then I watch some more uh, Ruby Ice Queendom because I figured I should. Oh you know, yeah. Watch some of those summer seasonals that I was really excited for. And yeah. it's, you know, it's it's Ruby. So I like it. Can't say it's great. I kind of wish they just would have literally done the first two uh, story arcs from Ruby, but, you know. Um, just like adapted them into a more palatable design. Yeah, because I, I feel like we've been like doing, I, I don't want to spoil too much because I know it's on the list, but, you know. You'll see. For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. 
And uh, One Piece was crazy good this week. One Piece was crazy good this week. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, uh, Black Clover was all right. Just all right? That just, isn't just, good news. I, I'm, I mean, like, I'm not... It's We're doing a training arc after we just got off of a three-month literal hiatus. Uh, so it feels okay. my hero-y, but now we're in, like, feudal Japan, whereas I was just in feudal Japan One Piece. So it's like... What are you doing, Tabata? It's like they never set sail. But, you know, apparently Yami is actually just Itachi, so... Wait, is he going back to destroy the village? Uh, No, he already did destroy the village. Oh, so he's going back to save the village. (laughs) Uh, No, 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 no. Uh, (laughs) I I think he left the village because he destroyed it. But we'll see. That's what his sister said. His sister said hmm. he killed he killed all our family. And I said, not daddy. Daddy would well, never do that. Maybe daddy. I don't see uh, daddy doing that. It's good. It's good. It's good. Uh, something that nobody bothered to mention uh, over the last couple weeks. We have all actually been participating in it. Staying hydrated. Shout out to our sponsor, Water. Water, glug, glug, glug. I'd be staying thirsty. Water provides. For real. If there was one thing I could drink for the rest of my life, it would be water. As Chainsaw Man picks up, it is important to quench the thirst that we all may feel for Makima with pure water. I mean... She's great, but Listen. I maintain, I think I'm going to be a disgusting power stand. That's more acceptable. Just know she do be smelly. I mean, yeah, so are my cats. She is very but, much like uh, a cat. I love them pointy teeth and all. Their power is pretty great. Yeah, dude. Plus, like, cool sneakers. True, true. Cool personality. Uh, Yeah, I just get down with it. It's a a vibe. I feel like Tristan's gonna fall for Makima over here. He's being oddly quiet. (laughs) Uh, Mainly because I'm trying to think and I'm like, I don't don't recognize the names. And I'm like, hmm. Hmm. Too early Uh, to say yet. I can't. Makima is the cute waifu that adopted Chainsaw Man. And Hmm. Power is the other cute waifu that has the little devil horns and the hoodie and the sneakers because she dresses exactly how I dress. Um, is this is this uh is this Darling in the Franks? What? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's better. Yeah. It's better than Darling in the. No, Franks. it's uh. Wait, hold on. I know this. Darling in the Franks is uh. Come on, nope. you got it. You Sorry, got it? I, I don't got you it. Got I don't this. got it. I thought I had a good pull, it's but I, the, I got nothing. It's the mecca about doggy style piloting and how it's not okay to be gay, but it is okay to be gay. Just make it doggy style piloting. 
Yeah, it's like it's like Neon Genesis, but not as deep. It's like uh, it's like Are we talking about Kenzen Robo Diamond Dollar. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah, it's it's like it's like if Neon Genesis and Kenzen Robo like had a had a baby. Oh, that's a really ugly baby. Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Well, cool uh, beans. That's that's good, I guess. But uh <laughs> let's get back to the topic on hand. Um it may have only been 12 episodes, but Maiden Abyss is heavy. Um, we, uh, I guess we should really start off talking about uh, the author and whatnot. Um, it, it just feels weird because we've done this like twice before now. Um <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it's adapted from the manga, which is still ongoing. I believe it started back in, like, the the days of my youth, honestly. Uh, 2012, when I was still a young man with uh, hopes and dreams. Um, didn't adapt into an anime until 20... Was it 18? No, like, 2020, right? Uh... That's, yeah, I feel like it was earlier than that. It may have been. I know there were a couple of movies plus the season. 2017 um, is when the, the first anime came out. There it is, 2017. I was a little late. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been going strong for a few years now. And honestly, in my opinion, it's just been continually getting better. I think as we get more context for world building um so shout out to uh akihito Tsukushi, the uh mangaka author or yes i guess he has anime staff position credits but that's probably akin to george rr R. martin in like house of the dragon just being there for like input so it stays on source material that's already mm. written and established um, which, you know what? Screw it. Give him the job. Give him the dough. Uh, clearly he deserves it. Uh, another shout out to Kinema Citrus. We, we love them here at Anabuddies Incorporated. We do, actually. Okay, I, I was just this. making sure. I was just making sure. Because if it's just mainly. Me, yeah, it's it's just this. The only other thing they got is Shield Hero, and which is visually see... stunning, even if I hate it. Yeah, I'm gonna have to see season three before I make that final judgment. Uh, I might not bother with season three if I'm being honest. Yeah, I dropped it season two. So, all right, I don't feel bad then. I I it... think every isekai is allowed one just shit arc because they all have them. They all just have, like, a shit season. You know, you know what I mean? Irumakun um, doesn't. That's the other thing that I wanted to say. Irumakun is really good, and I wish everyone would watch it. May I counter that with Grand Crest Sankey only having one season and it being a shit season? 
But that's just like shit, though, right? Yeah, it's not <laughs> even. It's not even really an isekai. <laughs> <laughs> I, it is though. It is kind of. Because if you, it, I don't, we we all saw that ending. It's kind of an isekai. But it's like it's kind of shit. Exposure to the real world. Thanks. Um. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Maiden Abyss much better than Grand Crest Sankey. Oh yes, um, by a mile. Now I know Tristan, you weren't around for the last couple of episodes. Uh, did you have any prior experiences with uh, Maiden Abyss before you joined the Anna Buddies gang? Uh, honestly, Sorry, the Ganja no. Squad. It, it, it was one of those things that I had seen be talked about, and I always thought it was uh, pretty interesting, or like it, it looked pretty interesting. Hmm. And then uh, whenever the second season started coming out, uh, I didn't really have a whole lot else that I was watching, so I started watching it weekly. Uh, or like I started watching the first season weekly to see if I would even like it to watch the second season. And right. uh boy was I hooked. Uh it it was very good, not not at all what I thought. And uh it, it's the type of good writing where uh it'll make me cringe in a good way and uh make me still want more. Yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's uh it finds a way to be disturbing, but just ever so palatable enough that, like, you keep coming back, and when the end of the season rolls around, you still have that, like, kind of, like, burning ember of wanting to adventure more. Yeah, because, like, seeing how naive the, the main characters are, and seeing them achieve their goals... And still willing to push on through some of mm. the things they experience, it like it really makes me want to see the end of their journey. Um, yeah, I think uh, that's something that we're kind of getting like some hints at. Finally, too, is like the end of their journey. Um, I, I feel like with Reg kind of getting like scraps of his memory back uh means that they're getting closer to you know some big like tipping point almost um after all they did just pass through uh the entrance to the underworld as it's known um but to keep it somewhat brief i suppose i'll uh i'll hit you with a rundown and then we can get into the real meat and potatoes of the podcast where we talk oh, about our oh, feelings not, and shit i can ask me what i thought coming into the to the second season alex did you have any prior experiences with maiden abyss did you perhaps well, well, watch it to talk about it with some friends before this I I did do that, and you know, I I was really contemplating watching the second season weekly, but I decided not to. And I just got to say, before we go in, I am still, I think I am now more terrified of the abyss, and just what exactly it has the uh, capability to do. But I do 
personally really enjoy the underlying like mechanism uh, that is used to uh, quote unquote defeat the curse of the abyss, and I like I like that it's there. Oh yeah, like uh, we kind of got a call back towards the end. I think it was either the eleventh or twelfth episode. When uh, we saw someone afflicted by the curse of the sixth layer, and it was somewhat counteracted when they were thrown down a flight of stairs. Um, well, uh, well, that yeah, but I, I'm more meant like the. Uh, it's 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 discussion talk. I'll, I'll bring yeah, it up then. Fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. We will get to the root of my misunderstanding in a few moments. Um, but Alex is right. We did have prior experiences. Um, I'm glad, I'm glad he was included. He, he is correct. Uh, they are correct. Now on to, yeah, you're right. Pronouns, pronouns, Alex, okay, my, my defense. They can only go solo this episode. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, they went really, really low uh, in terms of morality. Um, uh, you know, I will also state my opinion on that later, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in the latest installment of Made in Abyss, our core group of adventurers, uh, you know, Reg, Nanachi, and Rico, were just reaching the sixth layer after acquiring a white whistle. Um, they, they went in the little pod and dropped down and it's the point of no return. Um, because you know, the, the pod goes back up and up is bad. Down is good. Um, so they're in the very spicy wilderness of the sixth layer and suddenly the white whistle goes missing they are led on a little bit of a goose chase to a village that's populated by hollows. Um, hollows being creatures of the abyss that were once human, like Nanachi. Um, they, they get a whole spiel about value um, and it being in relation to each individual. Uh, which seems to be a recurring theme that we'll probably talk about in the discussion period. Um, as the events unravel, we kind of have the flashbacks. Not really flashbacks because it's not a character having recollection, but we get to see things from the alternate perspective, I suppose, of the original adventurers that founded this city or that I guess founded this civilization inside of this pillar lady um, and kind of the events that drove them to becoming hollows. Um, something about a dark souls parallel because hollow um, and they stopped adventuring. I don't know. It's a joke. It's funny. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't play uh, Dark Souls. Uh, no, I, I get it. It's uh, 
it could have been a good reference, but it wasn't really fleshed out. Just a play on the word hollow. <laughs> did they have a? Did they have any bonfires nearby? I think they had one early on, but I don't know how much camping there was once they, you know, got back to civilization. Um, Sorry, I was trying to meet you with the Dark Souls reference. Yeah, I. Uh, it's okay. Dark Souls is uh, it's its own thing. It doesn't work its way easily into good media. <laughs> no, I, I'm just I I'm just bad at video games. All right, you know what? We're all bad at video games. It's just a matter of getting better at some of them. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? Yeah. Um, but anyways, back to uh, the the village that they discovered in the abyss. Um, they learn kind of of the dark past. They discover that the curse does not affect them within the confines of the village, which is super nifty and super convenient, as there's a lot of going up and down stairs, you know, to maximize space. Um... As the events play out, the members of the Ganja Squad that we were kind of led to believe were not so savory uh, kind of reveal their true nature, and uh, things really open up for our Adventure Squad after that. Um... I don't know. Let's uh let's table this bad boy and get into uh some real discussion. Uh the first thing I really really want to talk about is Prushka. Um the fact that she's not just, you know, an object, a white whistle like we kind of had it referenced to or referred to before as being mm-hmm. like a piece of equipment. I think all throughout this season, minus a couple of, you know, like a couple of small instances of like uh, the crafter creature not speaking necessarily in like a natural flowing dialect, um, where like he referred, like used the term instrument sometimes, um or like other people referred to it as like a soul stone. Um, stone for person. the most part. Yeah. For the most part, the white whistle was very specifically referred to as, you know, Prushka. Um, that's, that's kind of endearing to me because of how fucked up, like the ending of uh, the movie that was kind of like the segue between season one and two was, yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I'm glad they kept Mania. Um, mm. uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, different different issues with Mania now. Uh, yeah, it got the butt organs popping out. Exactly. We didn't need that. <laughs> uh, we didn't need a lot of things. Um, but oh my God, he gave yeah. it to us. And yeah. for, better, for better or worse, I'm not going to... I'm not going to question it. I'm I'm going to assume art artistic intent um, towards the author. 
uh, here because I... I know that there there's some issues, but <laughs> I think that they are handled well overall. Um, but I will I also die on the hill that we did not need the scene of Rico on the toilet. Uh, yeah, I also kind of stand by that one. That one was uh, that one was a cringe in a not so good way. That one, that one kind of kind of made me sigh in defeat. Other than that, yeah. I can live with whatever gross nonsense they want to throw at us. But that one was kind of. Huh. Yeah, I don't know who in a sane mind thinks of a, a tentacle toilet that is just <laughs> there to eat the. That's it's not there for what you're dumping in. It's there for the bugs around you. So, uh, I thought it was there to clean up the uh, the remnants of after you uh, did. Your I guess it could do both. Yeah, but they know, said it. Uh... They said it eats the bugs though. Yeah, we saw it eat Anyways. some bugs. It reached up and grabbed them, so <laughs> show me what those tentacles it's, do, baby. It's just <laughs> such a symbiotic relationship. Um, yeah, well, honestly, it's a living creature. It can do more than one thing. Loki, uh, the first time we saw Prusika's, like visage show up, I Loki was like, who the fuck is this? I forgot, I forgot <laughs> right? what she looked like. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah. Um but no, I think it it speaks to like, you know, how much like one's value like is, and you know, it also raises questions like, could they extract the original Bone Druid's soul from his white whistle? Huh. I don't know. Maybe. But I I don't think they could go about like benefiting from that in any way because well he could then you know, blow his whistle again or would it cease to work because his soul's not in it that's what I was thinking was like either he's in the whistle or he's in possession of the whistle but like the clones of Bone Drude couldn't use the whistle with Bone Drude in it yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think it's something that I think will be fleshed out more as we get deeper into the abyss. Um, I mean, we only just learned what white whistles actually do, you know, like this, what, last like six or so episodes of the season. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it'll be interesting, but, uh, in this specific case, it seems to be a way for Rico and Reg to, like, soul link in combat. So that way there is no, you know, like, inefficient communication going on. Um, plus he goes uh, Ultra Instinct, and that's kind of nifty. Um... I mean, it also made the ball go down the toilet. <laughs> so it, it seems like white whistles will basically just be a way to, like, activate relics. Um, at least from what I have gathered so far as a non-manga reader. 
Yeah, I mean, that's that, that sounds about right. Uh, just seeing the uses of them so far, I feel like it's just going to be for activation of certain things. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I mean, we got the visage of Prushka at the very end with all of them, like, holding hands, adventuring and everything. So, I imagine... Uh, you know, her being in it will come into play more in the future as well, as uh, we had a certain princess that could very specifically communicate with the White Whistle. Um, Fapta, the, uh, the princess who can't die. Um, apparently Reg's oldest friend, and one of the yeah, that was more wild. interesting characters. Yeah, like she kind of plays like a pivotal role in this where, you know, it's not like a Vegeta where she joins the gang, but it's more of a an obstacle, I suppose, that reaches an understanding or a former obstacle that achieves understanding and becomes neutral. Um, it's very hard to really describe like her relationship, I suppose to, well, not just the travelers, but the whole situation around the village. I mean, we get some clarity or some closure at the end, but what do you guys think about, uh, I guess her coming up. Yo, I'm a I'm a One Piece fan, so uh, you know I can always hold out hope that they will join the crew. <laughs> is that a One Piece thing? That is a One Piece thing. Okay. That is a One Piece I'm not thing. far enough into it for that to be like a recurring gag yet, but uh, it's not super recurring. But there's several times where it's like, "Yo, is this the next crew member?" Like, I feel like this is going to be the next crew member, and then they're like, "All right, well, we did what we needed to do. Thanks for helping us out. We're gonna turn around and head back now." And you're just like, uh, uh, "Okay, well, bye. It was it was yeah. fun having you while we had you." <laughs> But, uh, know they'll be back. Now, I think Fapita is going to go with them as a non-manga reader. Um, I liked her, though, and like her whole like character arc that she ended up having. Really yeah, cool. I mean, she was born with like fragmented pieces of memory, um, which I think is kind of ironic that, you know, she's mad at Reg about him not having complete memories of her. Um, and well, that's kind of like what drives her to, you know, be like a, basically the living embodiment of hate. You know, that's what drove her for God knows how many years. 150. Specifically? That's how long they were in the, uh, in, and what's her name? I'm forgetting her name and I feel so bad right now. Irimui. Uh, Mui. Yeah. Yeah, that's how long they were in Irimui. Um. Yeah, but I feel like I I feel like Bapta wasn't the beginning of them living in her. I feel like she came around after the fact. All right, so a little less, a little less than that. 
A little less. We have an estimation, at least. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, you know, it's it's her entire thing was like, kill, maim, destroy. Um, which, I guess, in the end, she did eat all the villagers. Um, just not in the way we expected her to be eating the villagers. Yeah, it, start, it started out kind of brutal. And then uh, when she got some of those memories uh, of Voiko, Voiko, Voiko. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then she kind of had that like, oh shit realization. Like, who, who is this? I don't have any memories of this. And then she kind of saw how close uh, they were together. And then it kind of went from like a crazy, evil destruction rampage to like, okay, now I just kind of need to eat y'all because I need y'all's powers so that we can actually put it into all this. Right. So it was, it was nice to see. Yeah, and, uh, I liked how they put it. Um like when she she like wailed and the villagers all basically went to her because it was the first time she was truly calling out to them, not like in malice, but because she needed them. And, yeah. You know, like they're basically saying, like, yeah, dude, we owe her. Um I think yeah. I think that was nice. I mean, especially after it being like constantly presented to us that everybody seeks value or seeks to increase the value that they have accrued um, to see all of them basically forsake, you know, the last however hundred plus years of accruing value and, you know, enhancing their lives and just throwing it all away for the sake of the child that specifically was out to destroy them uh well i think another way to look at it was uh fapta is the symbol of ultimate value right and, so, and i suppose it's they are becoming part of her yeah so it's not necessarily them throwing away what value they had it is i am gonna put my value towards this greater value right I think that's a nicer way to look at it because uh, it's a little less selfish. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's still selfish, but uh, kind of. It, it doesn't make Fapta look as selfish, though. It's like uh, that's true. The fact that they still exist within her, rather than they are, you know, evaporated or whatever. Um. Speaking of Fapta, a couple of characters directly adjacent to her. Um, Gabaroon. Pretty nifty. Yes. Um, Actually, he had a... Yeah, dude, go ahead. Save the day. I was just going to say, save the day. Yeah. Blew himself okay. up for it, too. Um, yeah, I, I kind of liked his whole speech to... Um, Fapta about like Haku being what person, what a person or what an individual values most, and the way it kind of grew to be like in the end, even he as you know just a literally a machine that's out there to observe and learn could 
you know, have a Haku, which was Fopta. Um, I don't know. It, it put a different spin, I guess, on value because of how it was presented early on being so driven almost monetarily because there was that weird currency exchange uh, where the little bits of metal like appeared out of nowhere in Rico's hands. Um, I, I think the like sentimental side of value was something that they really wanted to play into. And I think it was kind of beautifully done. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, I feel like a lot of this season was kind of bouncing back and forth between monetary value and I guess more sentimental value. And uh, you really get to see the dynamic between the villagers and then the people outside the village. Um, and I think that was another big reason why... I guess the destruction of the village was so necessary, not only to to free Iriyumi uh, from the confines that she had been placed, but also to kind of, I guess, remind these people that it's not necessarily the things that you accrue, but more of uh, <laughs> the friends you made along the way. You know right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we get a really good example of that with Nanachi where, you know, she literally sells herself so she can be with uh, what turns out not to even be the real one, but uh, a clone of uh, Mitty from season one. Yeah, but a pure Mitty before she got tortured or more tortured. <laughs> Yeah, she was definitely, like, actively being tortured. Just, she was immortal, so I guess it's fine. Yeah. Just light her on fire. She's good. Yeah, it, it was a weird one, but uh, in the end, Bailoff ended up being a nice guy, so I'm not that mad. I guess he needed sustenance. Um, But, uh, anyways, yeah, Nanachi with so much like financial or monetary or tangible value herself she threw it all away just to be with Mitty. um which i get it i get it you know it's uh that's her haku i suppose truly she truly is i just like to say it uh it did do a nice job of just showing that you know you can't take those physical things with you, but you can always take like what you've learned. Right. The feelings and the experiences that you've accrued um, also add to your value and are anyways, like irreplaceable. Mm. But the real question, y'all eating babies that can't actually live. They taste delicious, bro. I don't know about that one. I mean, I mean, you know, in all I, likeliness, it probably would have happened, but uh, like Belloff's guilt to it, 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 it'd be something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd drive me am kind I, of bonkers. I, um, am I just heartless? No, I like, like I completely be, be understand it, it. Like, 
you know, like all through the year, Eileen goes through the process of like butchering chickens and like sending cattle off to be processed and everything. And like, I've completely come to like an understanding of that. But, uh, I think my issue is more like depriving Iremui of the brief time she gets to be happy with the baby. Mm. Um, she is essentially, you know, just a machine at that point to them. Yeah, that is fair. And I, I'm, I'm just, they're good. We don't have a staple food source down here or a good water source. Yeah. The only water no, if, we can drink is going to fuck us up unless we eat these babies. If uh, the fanatical prophet were cool with waiting like a handful of hours until they died of natural causes before butchering, I, yeah, dude, all for it. Go. Get them. Some more like an ethical meat processing scenario instead of, oh, thanks for this one. They're getting kind of big now. Yeah, it's not even about the meat. It's it's just about Iremui, and it's just because she's cute, or was cute, before they monsterified her. That's fair. I, I do support ethical, ethical consumerism, so mm. I respect it. I respect it. Um, Speaking of Iremui, what are, what are you guys' thoughts about the whole uh, little prelude we got, or the sequence, or series of... I don't know, flashbacks we got to the predecessors? I just a series say, of unfortunate events. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I think by the time the the season started coming out, I'm pretty sure I was fully caught up, so I could watch it when it came out weekly, because I did watch it when it came out weekly. Mm. Uh, but that, that first episode, where it just immediately opens with... Uh, uh, I have a hard time saying her name. Verico? Waco or whatever. Yeah. It just, it opens with her being uh, taken advantage of and in the process of being taken advantage of, she talks about basically the island with the opening to the abyss, because that is the only thing that guy would talk about as he took advantage of her. And with the first season, you know, you at least got a little bit of uh time i guess before you really started getting into the uh the the torture aspects of the show but this season just jumped straight into it from the very beginning and i was just like man okay i guess this is how this season's going like we're already we're we're already starting off strong i guess so uh better brace myself <laughs> for for how much worse this gets and yeah. uh I, I felt remember, like. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, no, you're good. You're good. Finish your thought. I apologize. Uh, you're good. Uh, I was just gonna say I felt like uh, we got a little bit of a break, and I was like, "Oh, the season's not that bad." And then we get to the part where we're eating babies, and I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, we're fucked. We're just we're <laughs> fucked." Um. Yeah, I feel like uh, I remember season one. We got some time where that like chibi art style really set in where. Like, yeah, we knew the Abyss was dangerous, but it wasn't, like, horrific until we started seeing what the Curse of the Abyss did to people. Yeah. Um, and, like, in this situation, you know, the one of the first things we see is, uh, 
the people go down into the abyss and then like someone gets snatched up by a bird monster and then turns into a blob like as they're ascending um i uh and that's like one of the more i guess minor gore situations true that's definitely one of the more uh palatable uh body yeah like Body horror slash abyss being a terrifying. <laughs> That's the word. Location for body horror. Um, uh, yeah, it's. I gotta uh, s- no, please go ahead. I was about to ask if you had anything you uh, very specifically, you know, had notes on. This is uh, nothing I super have notes on, but something that really stuck out to me, and I'm just really interested in the process of like how like this got there was the. Um, the blob that was carrying the white whistle. Like, Oh yeah. In the ball capsule thing. Yeah. Cause that would have had to mean that like, they were in a super fucked situation. Like it had to have been like a group of three or something. Cause we already know, like if you're going to turn into a blob, you're like saving someone from a curse of the abyss then to turn into a white whistle, you're like really saving someone. Yeah, we uh, we saw the blob with the white whistle, and my thinking was maybe it had been like one of the tribe people that had made it that far before and tried to go back up in the ball after mm. acquiring a white whistle to go down in the ball, and that was just the them as a blob with the whistle they used to, you know use it i guess hmm i guess that could could be it yeah i mean nothing is definitive as you know (laughs) they don't know so we don't know yeah then i'm also super interested in the creature that was making the the lake of water that they ended up finding Hmm. That I am like also kind of curious about. Yeah, there are. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, I think that's something I really liked about the sixth layer was how much of it felt like we were getting back to, you know, the the scary things in the layer being biological, I suppose, rather than it being like, oh, bone druid, bad guy. Yeah. Um. Nature truly is terrifying. Yeah, between the turbinid dragons, which were weird horse octopi—not even octopi—they had like some... it was kind of like kind of like a shrimp. Yeah, almost. Yeah, um, with the they, weird like coil segmented poisonous. tail. Yeah, they like, spit like blood in- and also acid. Yeah, like no creature that large is gonna de- biologically like develop venom because it's already like the biggest fucking thing out there. Yeah, like we see the other turbinid dragon after the first one gets taken down, step on the other one and just like one shot it while it's like yeah, it's crippled. So it's why do you just a need giant to be creature. <laughs> it, It's just a giant fuck you creature. It said, "I'm the best." I'm going to become I'm going to make it to where I'm unbeatable. <laughs> what are you good at? I'm good at that too now. 
Um, yeah, I, I would love to know more. Like, uh, they recovered the page from Rico's mom's notes. I'd love to know more about the ecosystem. If they ever, like, published, like, uh, almost like a bestiary, um, that would be really sweet and something I'd be interested to check out because I want to know, like, the relationships between all of these, you know, similarly massive creatures that don't seem to have, like, any interaction at all in terms of what we see in the series. Is their only interaction is if they all want the same food supply. Exactly. It's one of those things where it's like, are they competitive? Do some of them just not even need to eat? Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, it kind of brings out that, uh, that young college boy in me that wanted to get into zoology. Ooh, um, animals are rad. But what did you guys think about the sixth layer? I guess in terms of spookiness, what was the scariest part of the layer to you? Outside of, again, the drinkable water thing is a huge issue. A mm. literal raining fire is another huge issue. <laughs> yeah. uh, the only... Um, non-dangerous animals being like little squirrel things that some for some reason have shells that they can come in and out of which also like, protect them make from sense. The dangerous animals yeah uh i think this was probably one of the most terrifying layers of the abyss i'm super excited to see the seventh layer hmm. uh, whenever we get there yeah i think uh the fact that like we had Fopta and Gabaroon together or that memory of them together, both still being terrified of the, um, I mean, not even just the dragon. Like she was, you know, yelling about repelling it and then what, but like just the creatures in general, uh, after seeing what they did to her when the, uh, when the wall got blown open. Yeah, that was probably, uh, my, scariest part i would say is uh because you kind of get to see some of these creatures but for the most part they're avoiding them but whenever the walls actually fall and you have all of these predators running in that's when it was like yo down here is not good especially coupled with the the, the raining fire yeah it's, like, there's nowhere safe inside there's monsters outside it's lava rain and more monsters. Yeah. It, it, it was definitely a very interesting layer. Yeah. And, uh, we even, we even got to see like a little reminder, uh, once the, uh, the force field started getting into Eden Bui's body or whatever, the village. Um, we got that nifty reminder through, uh, Vueco, when she was running up the stairs, how like quickly the curse will hit you, how little you actually need to ascend when you're this deep. Yeah. Um, so it's the kind of thing where it's like, don't jump for joy. Um, yeah, that's, it's spicy stuff. It's spicy stuff. I can't imagine what the next layer is going to hold. Probably like 
I think I think we're gonna get robot that, civilization. We gotta be getting close. It's uh, there were like four of the observation units on the layer that were between Reg and the other three that were like talking to or cooperating with the Ganja Squad. So we we gotta be getting close. They're all the same. It makes or me actually, wonder. They very specifically mention they don't know if they're from the same creator. Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is it makes me wonder how old some of them are compared to others because one of them said he had no recollection of Reg's model. And it's just like, well, when's the last time you went back to where you came from and have learned about newer models? Like, you know, what if he was just made after you had left and have been in the wilderness for however long? And then, uh, and then Reg comes around, you know? Well, it seems entirely likely that that's the case, too, given that he's, you know, Gabaroon is like 90% machine with the, like, bit of human sentience in there, it seems, mm-hmm. or a bit of humanity in there to, you know, have a haku to have feelings. Um, whereas Reg is seemingly, maybe not 90, but, you know, almost entirely human in appearance with the clear mechanical enhancements. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> pardon the pun, I think it's very likely that Reg is just a more fleshed out model of uh, Observer <laughs> Unit. <laughs> uh, that was actually pretty good. That was pretty good. I, I try. I try. I'm good at very few things, but this this is one of them. Um, did you guys have anything else you wanted to highlight before we kind of get into like character talk, um, between favorites, least favorites, um, some who may have, uh, made us reconsider things in the real life. Uh, I, th- um, I think I we hit, say- oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, hollow, uh, Jurimo's design makes me feel very uncomfortable. Specifically, with the like weird with, butthole with, sword. Uh, well, butthole sword's one, but like the arrows and like the shape of what it's like pointing at. Just general uncom- uncomfy vibes that just came up while I was looking at the characters on. The- oh, like the weird like kitty drawings on his stomach. Yeah, and then if you yeah. like flip the yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was a gross guy, so it makes sense that even as a subservient monster, he's still gross. Does make tons of sense. Also, is it more fucked up that Voika was left human that whole time? Or, like, less fucked up? I would I think... like to think less fucked up. Yeah, they say, like, when you make that transformation into being a hollow, um, it you know, you get like the shape of what you desire most or whatever. So I imagine like her being human or still being human was like part of her feeling like she was being punished. But I don't even think like she ate her. I think she just like hooked her up to her brain. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, I feel like I feel like it wasn't necessarily a punishment. It was more of a preservation, you know? 
It was, uh, yeah. I don't want you to end up like all these other people that are getting morphed into something they're not and they're losing themselves. Like, I want you to stay the way you are. I want you to be reminded of what you are. Which in of itself is kind of fucked up, but I feel like it's less fucked up. You know right. what I mean? She was trying to preserve the thing that she loved rather than let it fall apart. You know, like Fueco yeah. was very clearly going to if she was left on her own. That's fair. I guess I guess it was a very like child childlike innocent thing. Right. Well that's <laughs> that's the thing about Iremui. Was uh, her childlike innocence was exactly why she was taken advantage of with the uh, with the cradles. Yeah, I say I'm proud of myself for not making Republican-based jokes. (laughs) Oh my god, there were so many opportunities. It's it's too easy. They literally write themselves. (laughs) Uh, Almost like it was written with a particular commentary. Not really. But I think it, it I could have been. I'm gonna, I, very I don't clearly want to assume. Could have been. I, yeah, I don't want to assume uh, any Al or sussy intent from. <laughs> no, we assume nothing but the best from this creator. Um, he has not let us down please yet. Please don't prove. Please don't let us down. <laughs> uh, Tristan, did you have anything you wanted to highlight? Uh, honestly, we, we covered pretty much everything that, uh, I really wanted to talk about so far. So, uh, y'all made it easy on me today. Sweet. Yeah. Well, we'll get into the characters and, uh, yeah, then we're cooking. Um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's weird. It's like none of it seemed to have to be in order. Uh, it all just kind of fit, even though, you know, the perspective kept jumping back and forth, like, chronologically. Um, it seemed like the reveals were very well-timed in the story. Uh, it was hugely palatable. Um, but in terms of, like, favorite characters, did you want to break it up, like, between pre- and post-hollowing? Or did you want to, like, in terms of, uh, like, Bailoff, just as a character in general? I, just, I, I think, think in general. I think, yeah. I think they're all tied in pretty well. Hmm. Right on, then. Um, okay, well, in that case, I'm, uh, I'm gonna lead us off with, uh, with a reveal of my favorite character with that in mind um slightly changes things but uh i think uh my favorite character is uh no longer wazuken the fanatical prophet uh factoring in the savage monster that he was with the butchering of babies prior to his transformation into a cool monster dude uh he's now my second favorite character leading language cool monster dude the first part the slaughtering babies well what else was he doing (laughs) He was harvesting food for the village. 
directly from one of the villagers' wombs. Ex villagers' womb. She is now the village. I suppose, yeah, <laughs> from the village's womb. Wait, does that mean he was harvesting villagers? In a roundabout way, you know, you could say that. <laughs> Tech, technically, yeah, if you count the black little soul blobs, part of the part of the village count, which I think I mean we they do are the village, yeah, yeah, because Faputa did need to eat them as well. Hmm. Yeah. Well, in that case, he was uh, slaughtering babies. Sorry. <laughs> um, but now that he's been dethroned, my favorite character is uh, surprising Majikaja, the most noble. Oh, seat. that's pretty cool. I liked how he could transform if he just ate a little bit of your hair. Right. I I appreciated the way he presented himself early on, saying Majikaja wants a body. This is not a body, it's a vessel. And then towards the end, we get to see Majikaja, the being, is actually like the gaseous soul thing that came out of the machine husk and could temporarily possess, even though I fucking hate the idea of like possession and overshadowing with ghosts. Um, fopped his body. Um, just as a character in general, I appreciated how forthcoming he was from the get go. He, in terms of you know having the whistle delivered, not expecting a trade of value, even though by the rules of the village he was in possession of Prushka, um, etc., etc. Uh, you know, switching bodies just specifically to accommodate Rico. Um, bringing Nanachi and Mitty back together. If you gave him all for one, I think there's an issue. One for all? Because, well, if you give him one for all, that might be okay. He doesn't seem to have any quirks. But, uh, you're just That's making, like, one. a supervillain. Yeah, if you give him all for one, you're just making a supervillain that can possess people and then steal quirks. Okay, but yeah, if you give him one for all with a little bit of value raises. That's what it is. He eat of the hair. Um, but what about you, fellas? What were your favorite dudes? Sorry, not dudes. Your favorite thems. <laughs> Mine was actually Wazukon. Okay. Yeah? He, listen, he saw the state of the village he made a choice and the choice was either we all die a horrible painful death or we live and our bellies are full and we get a nice safe place to stay and everything is okay then he saw that things weren't okay but at that point we had crossed the point of no return so we had to then reach the next point of no return which was the allowed us the time about our actions and be like you know what kind of fucked up but either fuck up or die so glad I we mean, fucked up yeah it's it's the reason he was still so highly rated even with the uh, 
before and after factored in. It's just his whole character arc is... Not only is it very reasonable, I suppose, or not even reasonable, utilitarian. Um, it's it's just got so much like weight to it, or like depth to it. He brings the feelings. Yeah, imp. Plus, I really empathize with the the wanting to adventure or wanting to do something, but mm. reaching a a literal. It insurmountable just roadblock to where we are actually stuck now. We've like we gotta buy time or something. Like we need some form of stability so we can either continue on our on our journey or we can, you know, pass our dreams on to the next generation. Because like Tristan knows, a dream never dies. I mean he did he did do that successfully, so I'll give him that. I'll give him that. That sounded one PC. Uh, a little bit, a little bit, <laughs> you know, just just a little bit. <laughs> uh, what about you, Tristan? Who was your your top dog? Uh, well, mine is also one of the big three. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not gonna go with the headman himself. We've talked about One Piece enough, but I'm gonna go for one of the lower <laughs> lower two of the big three, and I'm gonna go with uh Beloff. Uh, ooh. I honestly, in all of the flashbacks or, uh, you know, just in the flashbacks, whenever you saw him, uh, I just I liked the character. I liked the vibe he gave off. He he really seemed to be that strong, uh, like almost older brother type where it was like, you can lean on me. I will help you. I will do whatever I can to, like, help everybody. And uh, seeing his reaction to eating the babies uh definitely kind of kind of hit me cuz i was like this man is just utterly destroyed like you can tell he just he doesn't even want to go on like if he could have had a choice before eating it he probably would have been like nah just just don't do it just let me die and then seeing his uh post time skip form uh i thought the design was really cool uh the way he kind of took Nanachi in and let her kind of be with Mitty again, I thought was uh, pretty nice. And then seeing the way that he released the memories to Fapta, I thought that that was a really cool moment because he was like, this was what my being became once I got this new form. My being became a way to preserve these memories and be able to pass them on. And I just I thought that was really cool that he like dedicated his life to that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that kind of really adds some beauty to uh, when Fapta first sees him, and her first thought is, "How dare you grow so big by mm-hmm. eating my mother?" It's yeah. uh, he grew so big not because of the like physical mass from eating, but you know just the like emotional depth, I suppose, the sheer amount of memory or knowledge that he was storing and preserving. Yeah. So I just, I thought he was. Yeah. Like as she broke him apart more, we saw more of like that mist or whatever coming out of like each segment of his body as it was shattered. Yeah. Um, That was 
Yeah, that's that's deep. Uh, I I thought it, I just thought he was a really cool character, and he just he stood out a lot to me. Like yeah. Ozukam was pretty cool, and he was a good leader. But I think like the unsung hero was uh, was Bell off the season. I'd have Very to agree much with it that feels overall. like Wazukan was he was the vessel that kept the entire party moving forward, but Beloff was kind of like the I don't know, kind of like the emotional side of that. Um you know, making sure everybody was uh was still good to go. Um that's that's nice that his entire existence is, you know, caring for others. Uh, very self-sacrificial, especially in a series like this where some of the things we've seen before. I was just like, this is this is a nice, refreshing pace. Yeah, we. Uh, yeah, please go ahead. Oh, the the one thing I wanted to bring up uh, is that I like that it is literally just like love that that beats the the abyss curse and every at every turn every season the yeah. uh, the issue has been solved in some form of love and i really like it cuz it's not like it's not beating you over the head head with it it's not like romantic about it uh, i guess they have like a like uh more like a, a like a pure form of romance for like adventure and like the 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 beauty of the abyss but like each individual character like they each have like something that they care so much about that like they they truly love in their life that they're like willing to like make these sacrifices to like keep moving yeah it's uh something that really interested me about that too is uh the recurrence of bone Drood bringing Mitty back um, or bringing the jar with Mitty back. Um, I think uh, that was a really nice way to kind of like draw the parallel almost. Um, because I don't know that it would have been like readily, I guess, available or easily uh, remembered um, in terms of like Mitty's sacrifice. So Nanachi could be, air quotes, blessed. Um, but the same way, you know, Bailoff sacrificed, so that way Fopta could be, you know, blessed with understanding um, to go along with her immortality. Um, I don't know, just having them side by side, I suppose, was uh, very helpful for my uh, very cute, very smooth brain. <laughs> and... I don't know. I also thought it was kind of cool that towards the end of everything, uh, Beloff kind of told Fapta, he was just like, you need to find value for yourself. Because I think, you know, Fapta's whole value in of herself was to destroy the village. But now that she was actually starting to obtain that, she was just like, you know, this was kind of the purpose of my whole life. Kind of hit me right. with that, that Rick and Morty why did you build me? Well, I built you to get me butter. Like, right. She's not just an instrument of her mother's will or whatever. She is, uh, you know, the perfectly immortal being that, uh, just 
needs to grow and understand. Yeah. And so it was cool kind of seeing him, I guess, give her that push or I guess give her that reminder that there is something next to look forward to. And uh, hopefully she makes the right choice and joins the crew. Yeah, my uh, my last thought on like the character discussion is uh, that it seemed to be very, very fitting um, that Iremui, you know, constantly having children and none of them were, I guess, viable offspring. Um, the one that was viable could not die. Um, almost like, you know, she she kind of put all of her eggs in the same basket. Uh, pardon the pun again. Eggs. I don't know if I can forgive you for that one. Oh, yeah, was, uh, that was a rough one. <laughs> um, but yeah, really like her wish genuinely came true. Um, you know, she had the three cradles for wishing and all she wanted was to have a child. And uh, this one, this one was in terms of, uh, you know, just always being there for her to have a child was exactly perfect for what she was hoping. Uh, she just wasn't. This one was non-edible. Around for it, yeah. This one was super edible, just you know, not humanely. Have they ever humanely eaten though? I don't know. It seemed like the way Bailoff was like slurping Mitty seemed more or less humane. <laughs> uh, uh. It's like, yeah, you're forcibly taking life essence from another creature, but at least it doesn't appear to hurt. And it was just a, a replica, you know? Yeah, that's fair. It was... <laughs> gonna sound really fucked up it was a manufactured source of endless energy yeah yeah <laughs> that's what i'm saying Sorry, that's what humans Sorry, have been striving for that's um, like what we need when we find it people are like oh i don't i don't know if i can go through with this can you go through with not being here <laughs> okay alex go read go read fire punch at least read the first chapter tonight Oh, does it right. tie into the can you deal with not existing? Well, it's a uh, it's, uh, post-apocalyptic people are on the brink of starvation. This kid has uh, ultimate regeneration ability, so he's like, you know what? Cannibalism. I gotta feed the village, just cut my arm off, and every time it regenerates, just cut it off again, and we will feed everybody. God, he's gonna get so strong. <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's, I mean... It's a, it's a good time. That's pretty that's pretty admirable. I would say you probably go with a leg, you get more meat off of it. Or like a butt cheek. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Slice it like a ham. That way it's how palatable. ultimate how ultimate is his regeneration? Is it like all he needs is like a molecule of himself, or does he need like a heartbeat? Um yeah, I don't know. At one point, he uh, he rips his own head off because he could regenerate his body faster than uh, <laughs> regenerating the parts of his body that were broken. So, uh, 
don't really know. He uh, he's pretty, pretty OP. Maybe it's a situation of like small complex healing is difficult, so just grow a new one. Uh, it was his body is crazy impaled all over the place and they're trying oh. to shoot his body into space so that he will maybe finally die and he was <laughs> like at least not be able to get back to them yeah and he was like nah fuck you rips his own head off and throws it back down to earth <laughs> <laughs> uh, i can get down with that yeah all right, all right I, I, respect, I, I respect the hustle i respect is, the hustle it is pretty dope it's pretty dope um yeah, the last bit I wanted to do for the podcast before we uh, start breaking things down, uh, just something special. Um, really quick, without any thought, what is your haku? Damn, your I felt like someone was going to special ask important thing. Yeah. Let's get some feelies in here. Let's be real. I guess uh I guess I'll go first. Uh you know, it's gonna it's gonna kinda sound selfish, I guess, but uh I guess I guess myself. Uh just cause uh you know, if it weren't for me being here, I wouldn't be able to experience the things that I am experiencing. Uh so I've learned to I guess love myself a bit more and appreciate uh my time here. And through that appreciation, I have finally learned to love other things such as, you know, my friends, my girlfriend, my family, stuff like that. Uh, but if it, if it weren't for loving myself first, I don't think I'd be able to fully appreciate those things to the extent that I do now. Hmm. There's a there's a beauty to that. I wouldn't call it selfish at all. Appreciate you. No, How about you, brother sense. Alex? Uh, probably, um, probably my moon tattoo that I have on my arm. Hmm. It was, it was my grandma's tattoo and she's, uh, she's not here anymore, but it, uh, it, it, it helps me like calm down or if I am like feeling sad or like just need someone to like really talk to without like actually feeling like form of like judgment or pressure. Yeah. I'll, like rub it there's or like a, hold on to it. There's that not even necessarily symbolism, but there's that connectivity to it kind of. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a tattoo in a way it is also your grandma when you need it to be. Exactly. That's yeah. that's why, how I thought of it while I was getting it. So I'm I glad like I it. did. I like it. Well, I'm glad you got it. What's too. yours? Uh, uh, you know what? I'm a weak bitch. Honestly, mine is uh my my darling partner in crime, Lily. I uh I've been a very flaky individual in terms of uh being able to constantly maintain relationships. And, uh, you know, this is, this is the one that is never going anywhere. It's good to hear. It's very nice. That's yeah. good. Very good. So it's nice, but 
Shout out to all the listeners. Thank you guys for uh, tuning in. You know, we uh, we appreciate you. Uh, we appreciate each other. But it's uh, yeah. it's extra special knowing that you guys are here too. You could say that y'all are our collective haku. It's true. The antibodies oh. haku is the audience. So uh, that is shout out the Discord. Gang gang. Um, Discord gang. Yeah. Next week we... Uh, I assume we're getting spooky with it. Uh, Tristan, oh. what are you bringing to the table for us? Oh, I'm bringing Insomnia, the anime. That's what I'm bringing. Call okay. of the night, baby. Call of the night. Okay. <laughs> uh, Let's go. Uh, I'm pretty excited. Uh, be ready for some late night slice of life pseudo fantasy feels. And uh, that's all I'll say for now. Awesome. Well, uh, before we get out of here, let's uh, put some numbers on this bad boy. On a scale of 1 to 10, super fun, cool, funny things. What what would you rate Maiden Abyss Season 2, The City of the Scorching Sun? Or sorry, The Golden City of the Scorching Sun. Nine delicious bowls of soup. Nine delicious bowls of baby soup. You didn't have to say baby soup. <laughs> uh, I think I'll have to give it nine full values out of ten. <laughs> nine whole it's integers. It's neat. I'm uh, I'm still on the fanboy bandwagon here. Uh, no brakes on this train. I'm gonna give it a. Uh, 10 of Bailoff's legs traded for Mitty out of 10. <laughs> that's that's very fair. I I wanted so bad to give this a 10. But if I give this season a 10, all the other seasons have to be 10s. Well, it sure is a good thing I already gave them all a 10. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that is pretty good. I mean, it's so it's so good. I'll probably once it once it's all done, I'll probably go back and give it all a 10. Oh, that's the beauty of my anime list. You can just go change things, and uh, the audience doesn't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. Only the people are, I guess, only if I say it, they'll know. Yeah. Yeah. Unless they actively go looking. I I suppose we could use some accountability on that front. <laughs> um. But, uh, no, Devil Man's a Devil Man Cry Baby's a nine. Can't stop. Yeah, six point nine maybe. <laughs> nice. Uh, now, time to get super super serious. Don't forget to drink your water. We love you. Good night. Bye. Good night. Very nice. Oh, I need to actually stop my local. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Anybody's Podcast. Make sure to leave a rating and review. Also, if you'd like to connect with us, you can reach the podcast on Twitter at Annie underscore buddies, or you'll, or you'll be able to find the link to the Discord. You'll also be able to find that in the episode description as well. If you'd like, you can reach Alex on Twitter at CreamPuffCoon underscore one, and you'll be able to reach Matt on Twitter at Doobie Howitzer. 
You'll be able to reach Tristan via astral projection or through physical mail if you have his address. Until then, we'll be back in about two weeks. Stay safe, stay hydrated, and take care.